ready to talk fantasy football, then you're ready for the Picking Up the Blitz Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your hosts, Mike Randall and Scott Berg. Welcome back to the Picking Up the Blitz Fantasy Football Podcast. I am Mike Randall here with Scott Burke. Scott, 15 preseason games tonight, man. It's getting closer. NFL Week 1's almost here. Yeah, Mike, we're uh, seven days away. All the uh, players that won't make the roster are playing tonight all across the NFL. Yeah, like I said, seven days away, ready to get this going. Uh, it's been a long off season. I feel like. I want to start with honesty. Folks, Scott does not know I'm going to ask this right now. We did do a fantasy draft before uh, the, earlier this week, and... Of course, it's one of those drafts where, you know, some people are paying attention, some people are not. So, Scott, I want full disclosure here. You know what I'm going to ask you this. When Spencer Ware was taken in, what was that, round eight? Yeah, that was uh, the seventh round, 79th overall is where uh, Spencer Ware went. Okay, because, you know, when you do your fantasy drafts, of course, you got to check the ADP because sometimes they haven't adjusted. So, I believe Kareem Hunt was listed like 10,200 and something like that. I, being the savant fantasy draft that I am, had moved him up to number one in my queue. But as soon as Spencer Ware goes, one or two picks later, all of a sudden, Scott Burke has Kareem Hunt. I want you to admit to the people right now that you would not have drafted him had, had Spencer Ware not been drafted. Yeah, that's not totally true. Uh, Spencer, <laughs> Spencer Ware being drafted, I will say, aided the cause. Uh, Kareem Hunt was queued. I found him. Yeah, he was about 12,047th on Yahoo. I did find him. I had him queued. Spencer Ware going at 79th, and I happen to be sitting at 80. My plan was to take him on the comeback as I was sitting in the eighth pick in a 12-team draft. So my plan was to take him in the eighth round. Spencer Ware being drafted by, let's just say, you know, someone just just missed the boat there. Kind of in my head felt like, well, you know what? If I had Kareem Hunt and I was the only one thinking about him, I'm not the only one thinking about him now. So it made me pull the trigger a little quicker. Come to think of it, I probably would not have wound up with him on the way back because it sounds like a few people were waiting for him as well one sitting right next to you so uh and also another four-time winner of our fantasy league was also waiting for him as i understand but once spencer Ware went it did trigger you know what maybe i should make this move now and not wait a few more picks and opted to go with cream hunt 80th overall which i think is a good spot for him not so much uh fourth round where i'm here at a lot of places he's going now in in uh drafts going on right now i think fourth round might be a little too soon i think i was good at 80th I don't know about, you know, 40th. And that's one of these things because because Scott did that, I had the the wraparound pick. So, of course, because I am hashtag team, back, team backfield drafting, right? I had I took, DeMarco, I took DeMarco Murray first. So I was taking Derrick Henry. But the other pick is my love every year in PPR. It was Danny Woodhead. So, Scott, it'll be interesting to see how this works out. Folks, follow along in your draft. That pick changed everything. It could have been Kareem Hunt and said it's going to be Woodhead. We'll see how it turns out. Yeah, well, Danny Woodhead, if you didn't get him there, you probably would have got him later on anyway. That's uh, <laughs> that's your man crush. You have a couple man crushes. Danny Woodhead, Randall Cobb, and Richard Rogers. I know you guys are saying who. Yeah, I say it all the time too. But Richard Rogers is a man crush of Mike Randall. I just want to say PPR last two years, he's played 16 games, 78 receptions average for Danny Woodhead. Now, whether he plays 16 games or not is a fair criticism, Scott. But if he plays 16, I think he's a lock for 70 receptions, no? Uh, you know, in that offense, probably. There's not much else to go around there. So there's a good chance that he he's going to be a valuable play. He's a little banged up right now, too, I believe, though. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. All right, let's get into it, my friend. Quarter one, news and notes. All right, Mike, a lot of news going on right now. You know, we're sitting here on this Thursday a week before the season starts, rumors out there, a couple of people being uh, on the trading block as teams get down to their final roster cuts, a few names that popped up. Uh, I'm going to start with a little, uh, you know, name that may not be, you know, as popular with a lot of people, but, you know, out of Seattle, Jermaine Curse 
Some rumors going around that Jermaine Curse might be on the trading block. Is Paul Richardson really impressing in Seattle? Looking to make a push for that uh, top three with uh, Doug Baldwin and Tyler Lockett. So Jermaine Curse looks like he might be on his way out. And according to Mary Kay Cabot of Cleveland.com, her sources are telling her that the Browns may be interested in acquiring Jermaine Curse. Should we care? I mean, does it matter where Jermaine Curse goes? If he goes to the Browns, does it mean anything? Uh, it doesn't matter. You know, Jermaine Curse was a guy that I, I kind of liked last year when we were drafting because he's the second receiver or was the second receiver when Tyler Lockett got injured in the Seattle offense. And because another one of my crushes, Russell Wilson, I thought was going to have a big year. I'm like, oh, why not Curse? Why not Curse? Curse isn't good. He's being replaced by Paul Richardson, who I love, and even Casey Williams has been tremendous. Now, Richardson's injured, but basically becomes expendable because there's Doug Baldwin, there's Williams, there's Richardson, Tyler Lockett, and there's Tyler Lockett. So honestly, I think this is no news about nothing. I think there's other people who are available out there who may be a little bit better. Jermaine Curse seems like a nice guy. Solid guy. always up for man of the year, things like that. But in terms of fantasy, no impact. Yeah. I mean, you know, off the field, you know, the guy could be a great guy. It doesn't matter to me. I'm glad he is. It's good to be. It's where he should be. But from a fantasy standpoint, I agree. There's probably not much there. I mean, he goes to the Browns. You know, Deshaun, Deshaun Kaiser is a rookie. They're going to be throwing the football. Kenny Britt's there. Corey Coleman, big things. You know, maybe he fits in the slot, but no more than, what, 40 catches if he were to go there. And again, that's just, you know, what's out there right now. Another name for you on the block. Probably a little bit more intrigue and value. Not really any places listed yet where he may go. You could speculate on where you may think he might go. But Dontrell Ilm- Inman. Chargers, uh, possibly on the block here as well as we reach the cuts. What do you think about Dontrell Inman? This one intrigues me. Uh, he's expendable in the Chargers offense. Keenan Allen has is wide receiver 17 right now, ADP 41. Terrell Williams, wide receiver 42, ADP 115. Mike Williams, again, is he ever going to play? Looks like October I'm hearing right now. He's wide receiver 73, ADP 243. And the one I love, Scott, is Travis Benjamin. Wide receiver 87, ADP 228. You're not drafting him unless your bench is 1,000 players. Dontrell Inman is expendable, but I think he can play. He did a decent job last year. Where would he go? I'm not sure. Jets could use a wide receiver. I mean, I think Dontrell Inman is, is a decent player that people should be interested in. Here's my point. If the Browns need a receiver, they're going for Inman instead of Curse, no? Yeah, I mean, I would agree. I mean, if, you know, if both of these guys are on the block and the Browns are looking for someone to fill out the slot position or looking for some depth at the wide receiver position because there's not much behind Britton Coleman – if you're going to go for somebody, I'd go for Inman as well. I mean, he showed some ability last year. He you know, caught 58 balls at 110 uh, yards with four touchdowns. He was targeted 97 times. Granted, Keenan Allen wasn't there, so Inman did pick up some of the slack there. But, I mean, those are not terrible numbers for someone who may be, what, a wide receiver three or four on your team? Or even in Cleveland's case, he may go in as a wide receiver three. He could walk out as a wide receiver two. You know, Scott, it's really nice of you to show up tonight to report, record the podcast because you'd have to get away from the Vance McDonald party because Vance McDonald was acquired by the Steelers from the 49ers, according to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. That's not a biased website, by the way. Uh, it was highway robbery. So why don't you go first? Is Vance McDonald fantasy relevant? And where would you put him on your ranking list? Listen, I mean, as as a diehard Steeler fan, and which we, we, we touched base on this in the pilot episode, this, to me, is a great move for the Steelers. Uh, you know, once Heath Miller left uh, two seasons ago or before last season, the Steelers missed that, you know, tight end target. You know, they tried it with Jesse James. He had a couple of good catches. Xavier Grimble, famous for a big one-handed grab. He, he, he could play too. But, I mean, you're giving up a pick here for Vance McDonald. You know, limited action last year, caught 24 passes, 391 yards. He averaged 16.3 yards per catch. So he's got big playability. The guy's a big guy. Four touchdowns with, you know, the 49ers. To me, you put Vance McDonald in a Steeler offense surrounded by Antonio Brown, Martavis Bryant, Le'Veon Bell, Eli Rogers, Juju Smith-Schuster. 
Sammy, just go down the line. There's a ton of weapons on this team. Now you put a legitimate NFL tight end, because he is a legitimate NFL tight end, on this on this line, going down the middle to make some plays. When you got Ben Roethlisberger, Heath Miller had big years. Uh, can, can Vance McDonald be fantasy relevant? Absolutely. In this offense, he can. I mean, again, this may sound biased, but... You know, with little, with as little wide receiver, uh, tight end depth as there is behind the big guys, could Vance McDonald crack the top 10? I wouldn't be surprised at the end of the year if he's lurking in 11 or 10. Since I am the true uh, fantasy fan agnostic here, I, I root for no teams, as you know that. Uh, I want to test the depth of this level of Vance McDonald love. Ready? Who would you rather have end of season, for, full season? Vance McDonald, Eric Ebron? It's a tough one. Right now, going into this, I would say Eric Ebron, but again, McDonald has the value. Vance McDonald, Jason Witten. I'll take Vance McDonald. I know Jason Witten has a track record, but I'm down on Prescott. Vance McDonald, Hunter Henry. Antonio Gates is not there. Hunter Henry, if they're both there, that's splitting a lot of action. Vance McDonald, Rob Gronkowski. I'm oh. sorry. I, I had to check out. <laughs> now, the beef, now, let me give you full disclosure. First of all, I would take Vance McDonald, Scott, over all the names that I just said, except for Gronkowski. Okay, but I'm not ADP-wise, I'll take McDonald. I would take him over Ebron. I really like this. I agree with you. I think this is a huge move. He's in an explosive offense. There's wide receivers all over the place. You certainly cannot give special attention to Vance McDonald. He did produce in San Francisco. I really like him. Here's the one I'm struggling with. Vance McDonald, Delaney Walker. He's 33, Scott. Yeah, he's 33, but he's still got a track record in Mariota's prime for a big year. You know, Delaney Walker sitting here as a tight end nine. McDonald going into this, as we talked tonight, is your 26th ranked tight end. That's going to go up and more and more as we, as these drafts get closer and closer. You know, my, my heart's going to tell me to take McDonald because I really, just watching that team, I, I know what can, what can be produced there in that position with Roethlisberger. But today, if you're going to make me pick, I'll take Delaney Walker. That's where it ends for me. I will take Delaney Walker, but I agree it's close. I advance McDonald as my tight end 10. Scott, let's go to Ezekiel Elliott. Got to talk about him, right? Adam Schefter reporting that he feels almost certain that, that Elliott's suspension is going to be reduced. Could be four games, as you predicted, by the way, in our pilot episode. Well done. Maybe even less. Where do you draft Ezekiel Elliott? What round? When we draft later tonight, where are you taking Ezekiel Elliott, Scott? Well, me personally, I'm not taking him anywhere. But, I mean, right now he sits at an RB12. I mean, I don't think any of us expected him to be suspended for six games. I think that we all, you know, the history of the NFL and suspensions, you go through this appeal process, they get knocked down a few games. I think four is the right number. Maybe it gets to three. It really depends on where he goes. I mean, if this, we can get clarity on this as early as Monday. They said even possibly as early as tomorrow morning, you know, after we record this. If it gets down to four games, I think he's right about where he should be at this point as an RB12, maybe an RB10. I think the bigger question besides that, because people are going to draft him. Someone's going to jump the gun in, in some league and take him in the second round. They're just going to wait it out. But let me tell you, if you do do that and you take him as early as you do, you better make sure you're securing Darren McFadden yeah. later on yeah. because if you don't, you've wasted a quarter of your season plus a bye week. So you're looking at five weeks without uh, your top one or two wide receivers. Uh, running backs, take that back, not wide receivers, running backs. If you're going to take Elliott that soon, you better get McFadden. If not, it was, you know, you gave up a quarter of the season. Hashtag team backfield drafting. All right, Mike, more news and notes here. Another, uh, you know, key injury coming out of the preseason. Doesn't really affect us on the offensive side per se, but this is a, a key injury on a defensive side for a team that's really, really beat up right now. Vontae Davis, uh, the Colts, one of the premier, premier defensive backs in the game, suffered a, what the Colts are saying, a significant groin injury. Probably has week one in question, maybe week two in question. 
you know, talk to me a little bit about Vontae Davis, his impact against, you know, fantasy players he may be lining up against throughout the season if he is not unable to go. Vontae Davis is a lockdown corner. Last year, he did not get ranked very highly. He had a bad season. He was ranked like in the 90s by pro football focus for cornerbacks. So Vontae Davis himself, when he's healthy, is a lockdown corner. That's a killer to their defense because much like Darrell Rivas, Scott, their defense is banked on the fact that Vontae Davis can lock down the other team's cornerback. I think it's huge. And there's a couple cornerbacks in the news, not only him, but also Joe Hayden. You can talk more about Joe Hayden. Joe Hayden, as Jamie Eisenberg said, is a myth. He used to be very good. I don't think he's quite at that level anymore, like a Vontae Davis level. But I'll tell you this, right now, if you if sport sport betting was legal, Scott, which maybe it is or maybe it isn't, depending on when you're looking where you're listening to this, the Rams are getting three points against the Colts at home week one. No Andrew Luck, probably, and no Vontae Davis. Honestly, that's nuts. If betting was legal, I'd jump on that line. Yeah, I mean, I would jump on that line right now as well. I'd also jump on the under in that line because that's got 1310 written all over it. But yeah, right now, if Vontae Davis is out, it, we're pretty confident Andrew Luck's not playing week one, maybe beyond that. Colts are in a tough spot, should no way, shape, or form be going anywhere and being a three-point favorite. Once we get news on Andrew Luck being out for sure, I'm sure that line will fluctuate if, you know, that is something you want to partake in in the, you know, state that it is legal. But, uh, yeah, that's something you might want to jump on. And as far as Joe Hayden goes, listen, again, Steeler fan here. I've watched Steve Bax. I've watched Ross Cockrell for the past few years. I get it. Joe Hayden isn't what he was five, six years ago. He is a upgrade, though, on a Steeler secondary that has been pretty weak for the past four or five years as well. You know, the linebacking core is all right. The front is not bad. But if he can add a little bit of stability and even give me 50% of what he was five years ago, and he and he, want, he wants to be here. He turned down offers in multiple places for more money. He wants to be in Pittsburgh. I love a guy that wants to be somewhere, and he's going to get a chance to stick it to his former team week one. I mean, to me, it was a no-brainer move. You, you, you know, you're giving him $27 million. We don't know the specifics and the guarantee, but $7 million this year for sure. To me, this was a great move. I mean, again, when we get Joe Hayden from six years ago, probably not. But I think any Joe Hayden we get right now is better than what we had as a Steeler defensive back. Yeah, I think it helps Steeler defense. I like the Steeler defense. I've drafted. I have a lot of shares of Steeler defense in my fantasy leagues. I think that Joe Hayden helps. As far as this Vontae Davis thing, just take a quick look at the Colts opening schedule. They're at the Rams. They're home Arizona. Dear Lord, how's that going to go? They're home Cleveland. Then they're at Seattle. By the way, gut instinct, I think Andrew Luck comes back for the NBC night game at 8.30 at Seattle. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, if I'm a Colt fan, you better hope he comes back by then. Because if he's not back, <laughs> if he's not back by then, you know, maybe you, you know, Scott Holzine gets you a win against the Browns, but that's not even a lock anymore. You may be staring on four in the face if he's not there for that Seattle game. You may lose first four, and then who knows? That season's over quick. So as a Colt fan, you better hope he's back for that Sunday nighter in Seattle. And but if he is, he may take a beating quick because we know that O line still. Not any good. Whether or not Aaron Donald comes back, we don't know yet. Scott, I love the Rams in that opening week one defensive play. Let's hit quarter two. Let's do it. All right, Mike, let's head to quarter two here. You know, we touched on this guy a little bit and the situation a little bit, you know, when you were testing me to see if I was really going Kareem Hunt earlier in our fantasy draft here. Oh, here we go. Uh, But let's talk a little bit more about this situation in Kansas City as we start quarter two. Spencer Ware was to be the featured back. He's now out for the season. At first, they thought the injury might be, you know, two to eight weeks, which is, you know, can you get any wider on your, your spectrum there, two to eight weeks? But now we find out it's, <laughs> it's season ending. So Andy Reid came out and he said Kareem Hunt will be the featured back. Obviously, Kareem Hunt's ADP has gone up. You know, you still can't find him on Yahoo. If you go based off their preseason rankings, you got to search him. But his ADP is rising currently, you know, on uh, fantasypros.com. His ADP is an RB16. My question to you is, Kareem Hunt, is he the guy that you want to roll with? Are you worried about our Sharkandrick West? Do you need to handcuff him? 
CJ Spiller's there. I mean, talk to me about this Kansas City backfield from a fantasy standpoint. I just thought I would put out on Twitter at FTSY Warrior Mike if you're interested. My thought, which is that this ridiculous myopic mistake that is done repeatedly by fantasy owners, players hurt, one player comes in. One-for-one replacements are very rare in fantasy football. And Scott, I'm sorry. I just put out the tweet that I thought it's not going to be Andy Reid trusting a third-round draft pick from Toledo as his bell cow back. Please know Sharkhandrick West will play a role. You would think, Scott, that I just insulted Gandhi on Twitter, right? Made fun of Mother Teresa. People went nuts at me on Twitter. Replies, wrong, idiot. Thanks, folks. And they're like, well, Andy Reid loves one running back. Andy Reid rides one running back. Scott, LaShawn McCoy and Kareem Hunt are not comparable. And then someone actually had the nerve to say, saw his games at Toledo. Are you kidding me? Really? Really? So now we're going by the visual analysis of a random person on Twitter. Folks, think logically. You're an NFL head coach. You have a rookie running back, and it does matter that he was drafted in the third round. Don't give me the one example of a guy who is drafted in the sixth round. If you're drafted early, you get more chances. He likes Kareem Hunt, Scott. I think Kareem Hunt is going to be the starter, but Sharkandrick West is going to play. Sharkandrick West of the 160 carries. I remember the London game in 2015 when he had those. I think he had a couple touchdowns there, right? He's yep. going to play. So somebody wrote back to me, Scott, and then I'm done. I'm sorry. Well, he was a cut candidate. Yes, he was. But Spencer Ware is now out for the year. So West is going to play. I think Spiller's going to play a role. I like Kareem Hunt. You know what these people do to me? They get me to go nuts. I like Kareem Hunt. I don't no. like him in round three. That's all I'm saying. I, I, I said I said earlier, I agree with you. Round three, round four is a little too soon. I, not to toot my own order in drafts here. Getting him 80th, I feel, is appropriate for where he is. Not knowing what he's going to produce. And yes, I know that sixth round example you were talking about might have been Alfred Morris of five years ago in 2012 when he ran for over 1,000 yards and came on the scene for the Redskins. Does Kareem Hunt have a chance to put up a great fantasy season? Sure he does. Sharkhandrick West, you know, in limited action, 2015, ran for 630-something yards. He was a factor in that offense. That's with Jamal Charles being there, Jamal Charles getting hurt, sharing touches with Niall Davis. This could easily be, again, this could be your perfect scenario for what you like to follow. Team backfield. Team backfield is what you like. Five total touchdowns in 2015 for Sharkhandrick West. And 214 receiving yards. He put together nearly 900 total yards with five touchdowns. He can be a fantasy factor. I agree. Kareem Hunt's going to get the first shot. I wanted to handcuff Kareem Hunt with Sharkhandrick West. I was unable to do so in our draft. If you are going to draft Kareem Hunt, and if you're going to take him in the fourth round, as I said earlier with Elliott and McFadden, you better make sure you pick up West or you're in trouble. And I equated this uh, backfield, Scott, to Detroit's backfield, which is a very interesting situation. Listen, if Amir Abdullah gets those goal line touches, Amir Abdullah, provided he stays healthy, but that's your Frank player, is going to have a massive year. He's going to be fantastic. But we know Theo Riddick's role is defined, right? Like, I don't think Abdullah is doing the, the two-minute drill. I don't think Abdullah is doing third downs, maybe once in a while. But 
I think Zeno is going to get the goal lines. Now, Abdullah gets the goal lines. He's a heck of a running back. I have value. I think that Kareem Hunt is going to be a part of this. He's going to be the guy between the 20s and the 20s. I don't know, Scott, if he's getting the ball at the goal line. And maybe he is. But it's all about value. Folks, I would draft my mom in the right round, okay? It's a matter of the round that it's in. You and I had that massive argument about Jimmy Graham years ago. I loved Jimmy Graham. I did not love Jimmy Graham at the eighth overall pick, but I loved Jimmy Graham. I like Kareem Hunt, Twitter world. Enough. I like him, just not at the... He's not this bell cow back. Well, what about Gurley? Really? You're comparing him to Todd Gurley? Really? He played Toledo. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I get it. And and I think this this Kareem Hunt, Charkandrick West, and all these other... You know, as you talk about drafting the handcuffs, raises a bigger question as to how after you get away from your David Johnsons and your Le'Veon Bells, and I'll even throw in your Melvin Gordons and the tandem of Devontae Freeman, Tevin Coleman, you know, the, the running back class after that first crop of backs is kind of thin and there's a lot of question marks and really, which route can you go? I mean, you said it with Abdullah. Yeah, Abdullah, if I had to pick between Abdullah and Riddick, it's going to be Abdullah, but Riddick's going to cut into that time. If I pick between Hunt and West, it's Hunt, but West will cut it at a time. There's so many question marks. I think that's what makes this season more fascinating than a lot in the past years is that you get past those those locks that we talk about, Johnson, Bell, Gordon, Freeman, and, and so forth, and I love Jordan Howard, Jay Jaya, guys like that. There's so many question marks, and that's at all the positions. You know what I'm saying? So ease up on the Kareem Hunt talk. He's he's going to get the first crack. Can he be Alfred Morris? Sure, but... Can he be Darren McFadden when he got his first crack? Sure, that's what he can be as well. So you just don't know. So ease up on the Kareem Hunt pressure. I drafted him. I like him. But let's let's not get nuts. He's not, you know, he's not David Johnson or Le'Veon Bell. He's Walter Payton, for goodness sake. Moving on, I need to lower my heart rate. Scott, pro football talk on Twitter is reporting that Jarvis Landry is being investigated by the NFL for involvement in a domestic violence incident early this year. According to pro football talk, the NFL has a video that they're reviewing. Videos are a killer. We saw that with Ray Rice. Along with the trade talk, what does this do for Landry's ADP, Scott? Is he still worth a top 50 pick? Right now, he's going right at 50 at wide receiver 23. I mean tough one here because I, I think the, the fact that they're reviewing this now, we're only a week away, means that this may be one of those cases that they'll review and may not make a decision on until either later in the year or maybe next season because they just got this stuff that they're looking at. But Landry's been rumored to be on his way out of Miami too. A lot of talk about trying to trade Jarvis Landry. You know, maybe the the, the connect the, uh, relationship is a little soured on to begin with in Miami. They're obviously high in Devontae Parker as he seems to be the guy everybody's targeting. I mean, I, I think Landry's still someone who can make a, you know, make an impact if he's there. But if he gets traded, I think that really makes a, a big deal as well. And God forbid he does get suspended for anything involving this, then you're in trouble. So, I mean, if you're sitting back there, at, as we said, he's a wide receiver, 23, and you got other options sitting around you, you know, like a, uh, maybe a Keenan Allen or someone in that, that nature. That's around, you know, Zay Jones, there's a Cole Beasley. Now, these are guys you can think of later on down the road. Martavis Bryant's probably sitting in that same spot. So those, those are guys you may want to look at. Golden Tate, I think, is, is a little bit underrated. You know, I think Stafford has a big year. Maybe that's someone you look at instead of a Jarvis Landry. Again, it sounds like they're, they're, they're going to force feed Devontae Parker a bit here. So Landry might already be taking a hit to begin with. And anytime we're seeing it with Elliott right now, Elliott's looking at six games. 
If this does come down during the season, who knows what it is? It could be in time for the playoff push. Then you're in trouble if you're a Landry owner. I have no interest in Landry. I heard Anthony Fasano, their tight end, on the Matt Kelly Roto Underworld radio podcast talking about how great Leontay Carew is. Leontay Carew was dominant, Scott, at Rutgers, wasn't he? So here's the thing. They love Devontae Parker. Cutler's compared him to Alshon Jeffrey, so Parker is a pretty safe bet there. You know my love affair for Kenny Stills, who right now is wide receiver 66. I think he's a guy who could get an uptick, and I think they really like Leontay Carew. I think Landry could get suspended. I think they could trade Landry. And by the way, let me save the Twitter people here since this is the Twitter portion of our podcast. Well, the coach said he's not trading him. That's great. I also tell you there's an alien on the roof. Are you believing me? Okay. Yeah, I mean, if the right situation arises here, I mean, this this new news here might you know halt any type of trade talks. People, teams might be afraid to look at him. Yeah, I, I would go other ways here at this point. I mean, if he if you if you have no other option and he's there and he does play, he could still put up wide receiver two numbers. It's He's he is good. He's not a bad player. Like I said, they love Parker. They obviously love Carew. They the, Kenny Stills is there for the deep threat. They got a running game. He like I said, he may be on his way out to begin with, or on the outside looking in. So feast or famine, Kenny Stills may be a little more feast. And by the way, just keep that number one waiver wire spot, Scott, so you can pick up Leonte Carew when Jarvis Landry suspended. Woo! Yeah, no, nah, I'll pass. Let's hit quarter three. Our third quarter, Scott, uh, we're going to take a look at one of the articles. Scott and I write for a bunch of st- sites. Scott does a great job, seasonal, drafts, DFS, for last word on sports. I write for a bunch of different sites. And the one uh, we're going to talk about today is the one I just wrote for playerprofiler.com. Fantastic site. Great stats for you. Matt Kelly does a fantastic job, right, Scotty? Yeah, yes, he does. It's a, a very informative site. If you haven't checked it out yet, you really should do so. Some incredible stats, some breakdowns, great metrics to take a look at, and uh, he'll help prepare you for going forward here and you know, redraft season as we come to a close. And what I talked about was bias. And here are some players with some extremely high or low, depending, Scott, ADPs, and how they're not being properly represented because of bias. The first one I want to talk on, and and let me throw it to you, and then I'll come back, is Kelvin Benjamin. My thought on Kelvin Benjamin was he just hasn't amounted to the wide receiver one he's constantly drafted as, wide receiver one, wide receiver two. And I'm basically thinking, Scott, that this is basically affected by the fact that he started off great last year with two fantastic games, three touchdowns in two games. And then this year, once he had that catch in that preseason first game, Everyone went ballistic on him, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I could see your point on that. I mean, I remember last year going into, going into last season, you and I were kind of actually a little down on this guy. We I think we both pegged Devin Funches as a uh, 2016 breakout candidate. I, I'm pegging him as a 2017 breakout candidate. Yeah, well, may, may, maybe this is the time. But yeah, I, I could see where you're coming on uh, with this one. You know, we had a couple of big games early last year, never really panned out to too much. Big catch early this year in the preseason. Yeah, I mean, this, this, this could be affected too by – the, the lack of consistency that maybe Cam Newton portrays in the quarterback role. I think we talked about this last week. Newton's only had one year where he's had 24 or more touchdowns, and that was that MVP year two years ago. And oddly enough, that's the year a lot of people coming off looking at Kelvin Benjamin, like, okay, this is a guy we can look at. And then we saw what we, you know, come to expect from Cam Newton and his inconsistencies last year and Benjamin's stats were down. And so, you know, I, I could definitely see where you're coming with, uh, coming from with this. I don't think that Kelvin Benjamin has the consistency that's necessary for you to draft him where he's at. Scott, he's being drafted wide receiver 24 in fantasy pros and standard scoring leagues, wide receiver 29 on PPR. He does not strike me at all like a PPR guy. He strikes me as a very touchdown dependent guy. And what he's shown his last few careers is he kind of dies out as the year goes on. In fact, Warren Sharp, which is another 
another one, Sharp Football Analysis. Warren Sharp real, brought up back in 2014 that incredible Kelvin Benjamin year. He's one of the three rookie receivers to exceed a thousand receiving yards that year, Scott. But he did it in a way that really should have raised eyebrows. He only told 56% of the total touchdowns, 18% of the total catches, and 19% of his total yards when the the Panthers were trailing by 11-plus points in the fourth quarter. He was, in essence, Scott, the quintessential garbage-time wide receiver. Yeah, he was the Blake Bortles of wide receivers, you know, picking up, you know, points, yardage, touchdowns when the game was kind of out of control or his team was... Coming from behind, trying to catch up. And, of course, when you're down 11 points, 14 points in the fourth quarter, obviously you're not running the ball. So you're going to keep throwing them, force feeding, and then, you know, that, that's that's the result of what happens here. And think about this, Scott. Imagine if you owned Kelvin Benjamin back in 2014. He only accumulated 45 catches, 588 yards, and three touchdowns during the first three quarters of the game. So that means, on average, man, he's getting less than three catches through the first, first three quarters Every single game. And on top of that, he's basically getting about 40 yards. So that means, Scott, if you're sitting there with Kelvin Benjamin, and this is the type of player I think he is. I know it's 2014, but last year he started strong and then he petered out. You're sitting there, three catches, 48 yards for Kelvin Benjamin through three quarters. How are you going to feel about that? Yeah, you're not going to feel too good about that, especially when you're investing you know, him to be a wide receiver two on your team, some cases a wide receiver one, depending on how your your draft strategy is. So if he's looking at a wide receiver two, and that's what you're looking at through three quarters, it's not exactly going to make you happy. You know, with the production you're getting there and the, the fantasy points, if he catches 48 yards, what are we looking at? You know, depending if you're one point PPR, you're looking at 7.8 points for using fractional. It's just not going to get it done for a wide receiver, too. You know, and at that ADP, there are probably other guys you could look at with a little more consistency, you know, to target. And, uh, you know, Benjamin is, you know, one of those guys that it's going to need Cam Newton to be consistent in order to, uh, put up a better, better season. The next one was, LeGarrette Blunt and people love Blunt Scott because they envision him just blasting through those 18 touchdowns. He's tied with David Johnson for the most touchdowns over the last two seasons, uh, rushing touchdowns. I think 24 is the total, something like that, 26 maybe. But LeGarrette Blunt Scott is with a different team. He's with a different formation. I point out in the article that he carried 121 times last year. This is from Evan Silva. Evan Silva on Road World. I mean, pretty much the man when it comes to fantasy football. He said, uh, Blunt carried 121 times in the I formation with a fullback in front of him, and the Eagles don't even have a fullback on the roster. What that means, Scott, is he's going to have to bank on being elusive. He's going to have to bank on breaking tackles behind the line of scrimmage. Am I wrong? That I think people are drafting him way too high, given the fact that he's not on the Patriots anymore. Yeah, this is like LeGarrette Blunt's been one of these guys that I have been uh, trying to defend, stop people from drafting. I mean, if you look at his career, his track record, Outside of New England, he has done nothing. His entire career, you know, he has produced in New England. He's produced in the system that Belichick puts together, that the Patriots put together, whether it was Josh McDaniels as the offensive coordinator. But Blunt was able to produce in the system mainly because you have to uh, prepare for Tom Brady, for four different wide receivers. You don't know who's getting the ball. Rob Gronkowski, he was able to open up lanes for guys like LeGarrette Blunt to be successful in New England. He did nothing in Pittsburgh. He did nothing in Tampa Bay. He is only produced in New England. There are other backs in this Eagles backfield. LeGarrette Blunt, to me, people look at it just because they see these big numbers. He's had these breakout games on Sunday Night Football. He's an RB29, according to Fantasy Pros. That's just too, that's too high. He's not consistent enough. He hasn't done anything outside of New England. 
So this hype or this, this, this talk that he could be a top back for a fantasy team. Yeah, I know the touchdown numbers are high, but again, only with the Patriots. Look at his stats. Go, go back to the Tampa Bay days. Go back to the pit, the, the short time in Pittsburgh, you know, before he was kicked off the team for, you know, not being happy with his playing time and walking off the field a few minutes early. He is only produced in one location. He is not in that location anymore. LeGarrette Blunt is biased on the wrong side. He's going to be a huge bust this year. Yeah, it's recency bias. It's what you saw last year, right? It's You saw that recency result, and you think that he's going to really produce. He's 29, Scott, like you said, in standard leagues. He's 38 in PPR. Scott, you're telling me there's only 37 running backs better than him in PPR? Scott, here's one for you. Is he better than Darren Sproles in PPR on his own team? No, not, not at all. PPR, I don't even know he's better than Wendell Smallwood on his own team in <laughs> well PPR. Well done. Well done. Yeah, Wendell Smallwood, Darren Sproles, I'll take them first and 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 gladly either way. No to LeGarrette Blunt. Moving on, Scott, here's a positive one. If a tree falls in the woods, Scott, no, and no one hears it, does that mean it made a noise? Adam Thielen last year had a phenomenal fantasy performance in week 16. 12 receptions for 202 yards and two touchdowns, Scott. Just a bonanza. But here's the issue. I mean, you're the DFS expert. Did anybody start Adam Thielen in week 16? <laughs> no, Adam Thielen wasn't, wasn't someone being drafted week 16, whether, you know, DFS or picked, you know, you may have started him in your regular season, but you didn't in DFS. You know, he's one of those guys, but he's, but he's one of those guys that you want to start when you're playing DFS. And we'll get into DFS as we get closer to the season next week. You know, you'll get a few picks. You get some information from me on that. But Adam Thielen is the type of guy, if you're playing in one of those tournaments, those millionaire makers on DraftKings, those millionaire tournaments on FanDuel, you know, with 300, 400,000 people going on, going in there, that's a guy you want to target. You want to target a guy with a low salary and it's going to be low ownage, maybe five, six percent. Those are the different makers in DFS. As far as redraft and regular season, full season goes, wide receiver 49. There's immense value here for Adam Thielen. Sam Bradford had a nice connection with his receivers in Minnesota. I know, I know Sam Bradford is Sam Bradford. We remember him from the Rams days, never being able to stay healthy, never even put it together with the Rams, but he had a nice season in Minnesota. Wasn't going to say he's fantasy relevant, but Sam Bradford was able to get the ball to the receivers. Adam Thielen's probably going to line up in the slot. He's a person and a player that you can take advantage of late. Maybe be your fourth wide receiver, or if you need to plug and play as a third wide receiver, if you stacked up elsewhere, you can do much worse than Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen offers you some tremendous value at 49, and because he's in Minnesota, not many people are watching the Vikings on a Sunday, especially in the East Coast or the West Coast. You don't know about him too much. Scott, I think everyone should target Adam Thielen late in their draft. I'm going to give you a couple reasons why. You listed a lot of them already. Well done. Number one, he's going in the slot. Slot guys get targeted. Scott, Sam Bradford is the all-time NFL career record holder in single-season completion percentage. Now, Scott... Does he get that by throwing deep bombs down the sideline? No. Where does he make those passes? Short five, six-yard passes. Let the receivers do the work. And I, what type of receiver, Scott, goes five yards? It'll be a slot receiver oh. similar to the stature of Adam Thielen. I'm going to say right now, Scott, guaranteed uh, wide receiver three in PPR. Yeah, and I, I, I think it's a question. And I can guarantee that more than half the people listening to us right now wouldn't even know that Thielen was 33 yards away from 1,000 last year. You didn't even know it. 967 yards, didn't even know it. Let's take, continue with the article. Let's go to another one. Let's go to Martavis Bryant. Mike, talk to me a little bit about Martavis Bryant. Coming off the suspension, hasn't played in a game since that playoff game two years ago in Denver. Coming off, that was a game after that unbelievable catch he made in the in Cincinnati in the playoffs to help the Steelers move on in that absolute bloodbath playoff game between the Steelers and the Bengals. Martavis Bryant right now, we're looking at him as a wide receiver 25 on fantasy pros. He's in, you know, in your based on your article, this is a guy of I want to quote my guy bias. You know, talk to me a little about Martavis Bryant. How do you feel about him? 
good, bad, indifferent. Talk to me. It, there's a case of I'm going to come off here and get the, you know, the tweets from the Steeler fans and let me know at Fantasy Warrior Mike if you don't like it, Steeler fans. Martavis Bryant is a very talented guy. He's extremely athletic, Scott. He can get deep. I will tell you, though, sir, I'm not quite sure if that was a catch. I understand that most people think it was. I have to be sure. But listen, it was great regardless. It's close enough. Here's my point. Martavis Bryant is not a high-volume guy. I broke down using that the Rotoviz game split app. If you look at his game, Scott, in games where he had one touchdown or more, one touchdown or more, he averaged 3.7 receptions. In games he didn't have a touchdown, Scott, he averaged 3.5. Now, what does that mean to me? He's a three to four reception guy a game. Scott, I don't know if I feel comfortable having my wide receiver two getting four catches per game before he was suspended twice, before he hasn't played in over a year. He's still very talented. He's a tremendous deep that I have to tell you, man, I think he's a poor man's Deshaun Jackson. I mean, you may or may not be right on that. I mean, he has looked pretty good here in the preseason. He has looked like he has not lost too much of a step. I know he's been out over a year. He's coming off the suspension. All reports out of Pittsburgh are he's ready to go. He's looking forward. and get, he's, a, he's in game shape. He's ready to go. I mean, he's in these two seasons, he has 76 receptions in the two seasons. He's a parts of two seasons. Out of those 76 receptions, 14 of those are touchdowns. He has long receptions in 2015 of 80, 88 yards, 2014, 94 yards. Okay, I understand the poor man's Deshaun Jackson, feast or famine, but he is in an offense where he can be more than feast or famine. He has a the touchdown percentage of one, basically one touchdown every five catches. You're talking about now season-long fantasy. We're going to hope that this guy is going to be there for 16 games. He's get, going in opposite Antonio Brown. You know these defenders are going to key in on Brown. He's going to have one-on-one coverage down the sideline and deep balls. And then you, you have to worry about Bell out of the backfield. So these defenders have to have to worry about multiple people on this team. He's going to get his one-on-one matchups, and he can win those matchups. So let me ask you this. You're not concerned, Scott, that in games that he did not catch a touchdown over his career in the NFL, he's averaged 36.9 yards per game and eight PPR fantasy points. I don't know how concerned I could be about that, only because we're looking at such a small sample size. We're looking at, you know, 2015, he's got 26 catches. uh, um, 2014, 26 catches. 2015, 50 catches. He has a small sample size. We have not seen him for a full season. You could be dead on. You could be right here on the the games without a touchdown and that be the splits. You know, but here, I need to see a little more in order to say that those splits are accurate. I mean, it's like, you know, a guy goes in baseball, a guy goes 10 for 20, he's batting 500. Is that enough to convince he's going to bat 500 for the year? No, you get to see a little bit more. You're right. Sample size is not large. Let me ask you a question. Why don't we have a larger sample size? We don't have a larger sample size because of the suspension. Is that concerning you at all? Do you think think there's a chance he could go out again? Of course, it, there, there's always that concern, but when you're playing fantasy football and you're playing anything of, let's say, chance, you have to take that chance. This is a guy that, yes, is high risk, but the reward, the ceiling is so high in this office. If you're telling me he's coming back from a suspension and he's in San Francisco, sorry, we're having a different conversation. He's not. He's in Pittsburgh with a quarterback who's hinting that he's ready to go in a couple years. If that Steelers are going to all out here, they are on paper top three team in the AFC. They get the defense together. They're going to one day, one day they're going to come to that mountain of the, uh, they're going to surpass that mountain that is the New England Patriots. It could be this year and this guy could be the difference maker to open up a third big time playmaker on that offense. That's what it comes down to. Scott thinks that Martavis Bryant is worth the risk because of the reward. I don't. Let us know what you think, folks, on Twitter. Hit Scott up at SCOT557. And I don't want people to think that's a Steeler bias. That is just a factual, that's factual for me here. He's in an offense that can succeed. 
He's not at San Francisco. He doesn't have Alex Smith throwing the ball in Kansas City. He ha- he's just in the right system for this to work, for you to take that shot. You're not drafting him in the first or second round. You're getting him late. He just went in the draft that we were in in the eighth round. You're getting him at the right spot to take that risk. All right, buddy. Fourth quarter. Let's go. All right, Mike. Let's get this fourth quarter going in the final 15 minutes or so of this podcast. Let's talk a little bit. A little bit of one versus one action here. You know, I also recently put out an article that I was trying to get some feedback on. I wanted to see how people thought on Twitter, out in Facebook, and uh, last word on profootball.com. I did a little comparison of two guys that are pretty much sitting right next to each other in redrafts and ADPs, and that's a Jordan Howard and Jay Ajayi. These are two running backs that we weren't expecting much of last year. You know, Jay Ajayi was having some issues with the coaching staff. He was not happy with where he was. He was basically didn't travel with the team to Seattle week one for their game in, against the Seahawks. And Jordan Howard entered the year, you know, second or third on that depth chart, you know, as a rookie going to get, you know, behind Jeremy Langford, Kadeem Carey, and some other people in that backfield. You know, injuries opened the door for both of them. We saw what Jay Ajayi did, you know, big 200-yard rushing games. Jordan Howard was consistent all year long. Before I get into what, you know, how I break this down, I want to talk to you a little bit. Give me a little bit of Jordan Howard versus Jay Ajayi. Where do you stand on this? I thought your article was excellent. This is, and it was really popular. We put it out there on, on the social media as well. I think this is such a tough call. This is one of the greatest ones that I think is very polarizing for people. Last year, to be totally honest, full disclosure, I was not a Jay Ajayi guy. My argument was he had the three 200-yard games. My argument was his offensive line is always hurt. And I didn't think Tannehill was good. Jordan Howard, uh, it seems to me to be a, a solid pick. The Bears offensive line is really, really good. But if you're going to ask me to take one, I am going to take Jay Ajayi. And here's why. If that offensive line is together, Ajayi is one of the few fantasy backs that gets the ball first, second, and third down. Damian Williams, enough. He's going, they were, they were doing a lot of, uh, word coming out of the camp was that Ajayi was catching the ball a lot, right? Like he used to do at Boise State. So, he is a true three-down workhorse. Now, the injury factor is always there. I do think Tariq Cohen flashed in Bears camp, Scott. So, I think that he could be a third-down guy. Howard doesn't catch a lot of passes, right? No, Howard. Howard. Howard's similar to Ajayi is uh, not someone you're looking at as far as reception out of the backfield. But I think both of them are going to increase that this year. It's true. Only 29 receptions for, for Howard. I'm going to lean Ajayi. I also am going to lean Ajayi because I think the Bears are not going to be good. I don't like picking what I will call, Scott, between the tackles grinders, first and second down guys, on a Bears offense that I don't think is going to be very good. Their offensive line is very good. I don't think Mike Lennon or Mitchell Trubisky are going to be tremendous. They just lost Cameron Meredith. So I think that they're going to stack the box. I think Jordan Howard, Scott, will have a very similar Todd Gurley-esque year. And listen, I'm rolling the dice on Jay Jai staying healthy. But if you told me now that Jay Ajayi will give you 13 games, I think he's got it. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you went Ajayi because obviously it's good for radio here. I'm going with Jordan <laughs> Howard. As my, as my article said, Jordan Howard was the guy I leaned towards here. Look, the ADPs are very similar. Howard's ADP is 13 as a fantasy pros at the time of my article, and Ajayi was 15. Ajayi had those polarizing games. I saw one of them watching one of them in person against the Steelers. He tore the Steelers up. His coming out party, 200-something yards in Miami. Rainy night. Also remember that day because Ben Roethlisberger got hurt. What else is new? But Ajayi polarizing, put it up three 200-yard games, ran for over 1,200 yards. You realize that more than half of them came in three games. He ran eight games with 60 yards or less last year. He was 20th in red zone carries, which are essential if you're a fantasy running back. 
It is essential that you want to find the end zone from the red zone. You don't want to be in that bottom tier of red zone touches. He also ran behind the fifth worst run blocking offensive line. Now, I know you said you like the upside of the Dolphins offensive line if healthy. But Mike Pouncey, how often is he healthy? We talked about this a little, little bit last week. That Dolphin offensive line, not always healthy, not always together. I know you said Damian Williams, Kenyon Drake, you're not really worried about them. But you might want to be a little bit. They have, they get touches. Williams is on that field more often than people think. Kenyon Drake, second-year player, he's going to get a little more t- little more action in that Gase offense. This is a tough call. Like I said, Ajayi was polarizing three big games. But other than that, he did nothing. He did nothing else to really warrant anything, you know, an ADP of 15. Switch to Jordan Howard. Finished second in the league in rushing as a rookie. He wasn't supposed to play. He really didn't start playing until week three, week four, full time. Howard ran behind the fifth best run blocking offensive line in 2016. He was third with 16 breakaway runs, which is one of those key metrics at playerprofile.com, which is like I said, it's a great site that Mike writes for, and it's got a lot of information out there. It shows you third and break, breakaway runs. So these are runs 20 yards or more. He finished third with 16 of them. He's got the eighth easiest schedule in 2017 for running backs. And I know you say you're worried about the Bears not being any good. They weren't any good last year. They weren't any good last year, and he still went out there and produced over 1,300 rushing yards. He was sixth best. He evaded 73 tackles. He has the ability to move. Kadeem Carey doesn't worry me. The only guy on that team that might worry me a little bit, Langford if he's healthy, but Benny Cunningham brought in to be a third down back, get a little catches, play some special teams. But I just like what I saw out of Howard. I saw consistency. I didn't see it out of Ajay last year. I did not see that consistency from him. Again, he was explosive in those three games, but he was nowhere to be found the rest of the way. So for me, it's just a matter of taking consistency. These two are right there with each other. In some cases, if you're drafting, you may have the opportunity, if you wanted to, take them both. Because you're in that position, if you're 10th, 11th, or 12th in your 12-team draft, it's very, very highly probable that you could take Howard one way and Ajay the other way, or vice versa. These are two good backs to target in a, in, in a year where the drop-off behind the David Johnsons, the Le'Veon Bells, the Melvin Gordons, the Devontae Freemans, the drop-off is significant. To me, Howard's the number five back, possibly the number four back. I'm very big on Howard. I think Ajay takes a step back because I just didn't see enough consistency out of Jay Ajay last year. It's such a great debate. It's such a, a, a hot topic because, Scott, it's interesting, right? Both are in their second year. Both had big years. Ajayi had bigger highs. Howard was more consistent. Ajayi looks like he's going to be catching a few more passes. But you're right. The Bears weren't great last year, and the Bears have a better offensive line. It is such a great debate. You know why I think it's fascinating, man? I think one of these guys is going to bust. Yeah, and it's a good chance one of them is going to bust. And I, I got to hope it's Ajayi because I've invested in Howard in multiple leagues. Again, there's just that consistency factor. was there. He's going to be the bell cow. I know Ajayi is going to be the bell cow too, but... They also brought in Cutler now with Tannehill out. And Cutler throws that deep ball. I think there's going to be a little more risk taken in that Dolphin offense with Cutler there. He's, you know, Cutler was there last year with Howard in Chicago and Howard produced. So now he's down there in Miami. I think Cutler will open up that offense a little more. And Jai is still the guy, but just, you know, if Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott did not have the years they had last year, we'd be talking about Jordan Howard so much more. What he did. More than half the league and fantasy players didn't even realize what he did. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with this. Looking at those workout metrics, 86 percentile on player player profile for Ajayi on burst score, above average speed score, above average agility score, only 4.57 
uh, 40-yard dash time, exact same time, honestly, Scott, as Jordan Howard. Howard has a great speed score, 70th percentile, not great burst. I think they're going to key on him. I think defenses are going to come at him. He's got to have better burst. But Ajayi had a concussion in the preseason. So, I mean, it really is a fascinating discussion. I got Ajayi. You got Howard. I can't wait to see who's going to be right. Yeah, let's, I mean, you know, this is going to be a good debate for us to talk about throughout the year because this will be one of them we'll come back to. So this is a this is a good one here. All right, folks, there you go. Second episode of Picking Up the Blitz. We're going to come at you. We're going to post these these episodes on Tuesdays and Fridays every single week. We'll try to get a couple others in there. If you like us, please go to iTunes, hit the subscribe button, Picking Up the Blitz, apostrophe after the end, Fantasy Football Podcast. Again, you can find me on Twitter at FTSY Fantasy Warrior Mike and find Scott. At SCOT557 on Twitter as well. You can also find me on Instagram at the same way. You always see some information there as well. You never know. DFS posts, picks, screenshots. We'll see you next week on Tuesday when, Scotty, we're coming back with our week one rankings, aren't we? Week one rankings will be two days away from the start of the season. I mean, it's it's Christmas in September. I mean, I'm ready. He's ready. We're all ready. Let's get it done. Picking it up. Picking up the blitz. Picking up the blitz.